This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We're talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your hosts, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Anthony, you know, I... It's not ice fishing season yet, but every day is is just that much closer. And I know we're with a lot of our listeners here who are anticipating the upcoming season, you know, waiting for first ice, waiting for the signs that we're going to get out there and start drilling holes. And our guest today is someone that I'm really interested to hear from, because I think this is a, a great topic and, and something that all of us can relate to. We have experience with but yet getting the inside track is going to be really, really cool. We are very pleased to welcome Adam Lorch, Chief Meteorologist, Northern News Now out of Duluth, Minnesota. Adam, welcome to Shack Talk. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. So you you are the Chief Meteorologist. I know a lot of the folks in, in much of the area surrounding Duluth are going to recognize you right away from, from your job and, and your visibility there on TV and, and whatnot. Hey, just starting out, let's just start out this way, Adam. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are as a person before we jump into the kind of the meteorologist side of, of your life. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, um, I've been in Duluth now for 12 years and I went to school actually in uh, Ashland, Wisconsin. So I've been in kind of this area for most of my adult life and, you know, I have a big love for the outdoors and hunting and fishing. And so um, I just love living up here and, uh, I'm always out camping or, you know, in the winter, obviously ice fishing pretty much every weekend that I have available. So yeah, big avid, uh, outdoorsman up here in the North woods. You're just one of the guys, right? The same guys we see out on the ice every weekend, out in the woods, out in the boat, uh, doing the outdoor thing. And, and like I always say, living the dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trying, trying to, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love, you know, getting outdoors and uh, meeting, running into people while out on the ice, too. They're like, oh, wait, I think, aren't you the weather guy? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm out here, too. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a ton of fun seeing people out in the woods, enjoying the outdoors, too. Have you always been involved with ice fishing? Is it something you grew up with or have grown into a passion? Uh, it grew into a passion in college. Um, I was roommates with a guy who was uh, – way more experienced, had all the gear and everything. So um, my first three years of ice fishing, you know, it's just me and a bucket and a fishing rod and just like following him around and seeing what he was doing. And uh, eventually, you know, I started um, kind of getting more gear and getting more into it. And um, luckily I, I married a woman who's okay with spending some money on some, you know, uh, nicer ice fishing gear and going out ice fishing with me and it's just really become uh, a hobby for both of us actually now that's a great life tip isn't it find a gal who shares those interests who's supportive of uh you know being involved and in, in doing those outdoor things and it just makes life a lot a lot of fun isn't it yeah no it's great to always have a fishing buddy who's willing to go out with me and wake up at five or six in the morning to, to get the, get the early bites. And 
Um, she's also a very hard worker. Like she'll be, she'll be setting up the ice house. Well, you know, I'm getting the, the tip ups ready or, you know, uh, it's just fun to tag team with my life partner. Very, very cool. So we, we introduced you as chief meteorologist of a, of a news broadcast organization. Tell us a little bit about your professional career. Like what, what brought you to get into meteorology? Did you, did you think from the start you were going to be one of these people that uh, is out there coming into people's homes every single day, giving them their forecast? Uh, I'd say from a very young age, I always wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, it, it was never about like being on TV. I was just like honestly curious about the weather. And there was one storm that I lived through when I was really young, probably in like sixth grade really bad thunderstorm, severe storm that moved through and I was home alone and the sirens went off, the power went out. I was like the most afraid I've ever been, but I knew what to do, went in the basement, took shelter. And uh, when it was all said and done, you know, I was fine. Our house was fine, but there were trees down everywhere in my neighborhood. And that just kind of sparked an interest in weather for me. And from then on out, I just kind of decided I wanted to be a meteorologist and eventually went to college, uh, Northern College, got my degree in meteorology there. And a few months later, started working in Duluth. And I've been there ever since. I know for myself, being an ice fisherman, uh, avid hunter, I feel like sometimes I'm an aspiring meteorologist as much as I'm looking at the weather, checking things, looking at the forecast, you know, looking at those extended long range forecasts. It's uh, something that I think as an outdoor person, you really kind of get into your blood a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why uh, weather is so big in our area. Um, not a lot of TV stations in the country prioritize weather, but in our region, we definitely prioritize it because we know how many people share the passion for being in the outdoors. So it's really important uh, that everyone gets all the information that they need. And I'm lucky that I work at a station where they let me take as pretty much as much time as I want um, to, to get the forecast out there for folks. All right, Adam, I've got a buddy who works for the National Weather Service. You and I mm -hmm. talked about that uh, uh, some time ago when we were setting up our podcast. And one of the things he's told me is that he'll get people asking him, like, my kid is getting married on June 23rd next summer. Can you tell me what the weather is going to be like? In a way, I can relate because that's how we're all sitting here right now. Like, we got an ice fishing trip the second weekend of February. I want to know what the weather is going to be. But do you get, you know, all joking aside, do you get those kind of questions? And I guess one of the things I'm curious about is what's realistic as you think about predicting out into the future. I mean, how far is it realistic for people to, to think we're going to get reliable information? So there's a big difference between weather and climate. I can tell you what normally happens on June 23rd for any given location. And I can give you those average numbers. Uh, as far as the weather goes, that's a lot more short term. So a good rule of thumb is uh, meteorologists are usually about 80% accurate in the first three days, and then it drops off exponentially beyond that three-day forecast. And it also depends on where you live in the country. Obviously, if I'm forecasting in Phoenix, Arizona, I can give you a pretty good idea of what it's going to be like four, five, six weeks out. That's why they do like 10, 14-day forecasts down in Arizona. It's because it's sunny and hot at pretty much every day. But up here, 
uh, we're dealing with a lot more of a dynamic weather pattern. We have uh, a polar jet that is doing all sorts of different things based on what's going on in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, that, you know, that's those same patterns over the Pacific Ocean then have to hit land and have to travel over mountains and then hit us. And so a lot can change between then and now, uh, essentially. So, um, yeah, the weather is, it's short term. It's short term. I, I wouldn't, like, even, even six, seven days out, I don't put a lot of effort in forecasting for six or seven days out. I'm just, I look at what the models are showing. I give it a, a best guess, essentially. Um, so for three days out is good. Beyond that, not so much. That's pretty interesting. As far as weather, are there certain things that you see more common trends, like where you can see, okay, we have this coming where you know there's going to be a system or, you know, high and low pressure, you know, there's going to be certain wind directions. Are any of those variables more predictable or is, is it all kind of dependent? So it does kind of depend. Um, the models do go out a couple of weeks. And from that, I can basically see if a pattern is starting to emerge. So a couple of weeks out, I might be able to see that a storm system is going to be developing. But the path, the intensity, uh, and the timing of it is all very, very much subject to change. So I can tell that, you know, a big low pressure system is going to swing out of Colorado a couple of weeks out. But, you know, is it going to dodge south? Is it going to go north? Or I can tell if a big high pressure system is going to move in from Canada or the Arctic. Um, but again, how long is it going to stick around? How intense is it going to be and all that stuff? So uh, there's a lot of variables um, that far out. But I can, I can get a gist. You know, and I'm thinking about this from from an ice angler's perspective, right? As you're talking about this, is super interesting. And I, I'm thinking, well, when I watch, you know, locally here in Fargo, when I watch my my weather forecast on television, when I listen to it on the radio, when I check my apps, that 10 day forecast is sort of the standard. But like your description, truly, I mean, if if I have a if I have a trip, right? 10 days out, I'm checking the forecast. I'm looking mm -hmm. at what it's going to be when I get there. It pretty much fits exactly what you said because, you know, those first probably four or five days, I'll watch things change uh, in the, the in those um, days close to when I'm going to actually be on that trip. And as it gets closer, it's sort of like the bandwidth narrows and it and it gets closer and closer to what it is, uh, what it's supposed to be. But there's, there's, I mean, it's reasonable as an ice angler to be looking out 10 days, right? I mean, because oh, yeah. you're going to get a, maybe not an exact, but you're going to get a pretty close idea of what it might be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just as long as you, you take it with a grain of salt and realize that, you know, predicting the futures not an easy thing. If it was, then casinos wouldn't exist or, you know, horse racing or uh, even sports, like for that matter, you know, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Um, but meteorologists are tasked with that job. And honestly, with technology, we've gotten a lot better and uh, we continue to get better, actually. Tell me about wind and that component of the forecast. Because as ice anglers, what are we looking at? We're looking at what's the temperature going to be, right? We want to know if we're fishing outside or whether we're going to need to bring the shelter and the propane heater. Uh, so that's one piece of it. We're going to want to look at wind because wind absolutely plays into um, the forecast as well and how the conditions will be for us out on, on the ice. And then 
precipitation or snow, right? So you got, is it, am I missing something there, Adam? Uh, no, that's, that's usually what I tend to look at before I go out is, you know, am I gonna, <laughs> do I need to plan extra time to get there because it's going to be snowing or, you know, what kind of uh, gear I need to bring as far as the wind goes and the temperature and all that stuff. Um, it, it, when you're wind forecasting, uh, basically wind is determined by, uh, pressure differences. So high pressure and low pressure. Uh, if high pressure and low pressure are really close to each other, we tend to see stronger winds. That's a higher pressure gradient. And wind tends to go from high pressure to low pressure. So if you're looking at, you know, a surface map or something like that, and uh, high pressure is right on top of you, obviously, you're not going to be seeing a whole lot of wind. But if we've got a low pressure system trying to nudge its way in, that high pressure is going to try to uh, move towards that low and we'll be seeing a lot more wind out of it. So when I'm making my forecast for winds, that's something that I'm looking at uh, quite a bit is where the highs and lows are located with respect to where I want to go fishing. As you can imagine, so, us folks out on the Great Plains are pretty concerned with <laughs> winds on a pretty regular basis out here. Yep. You know, We don't have a lot to slow it down. As an ice angler, tell me, tell me this. So your experience... Uh, both as a professional meteorologist, but also as an ice angler, wind and pressure and some of those things you just described. What do you, do you, do you track those in terms of how the fishing is going to be? Yes and no. I mean, I've, I've read some scientific papers actually about this because I get to ask that a lot actually. <laughs> um, and what I have found uh, in the science aspect of it is um, high pressure leads to uh, the fish being a little bit less active. Low pressure leads to the fish being a little bit more active. And the thought behind it is the low pressure actually is felt in the lakes and it can create a um, little bit more sediment coming off the bottom, which, you know, then organisms start to eat and then bigger fish start to eat those organisms and, you know, the food chain goes up from there. So that's one scientific uh, paper that I kind of read. Um, I've also heard uh, wind from the west, fishing's the best. Winds from the east, fishing is the least. Uh, you know, that's just a saying. I don't know. I, it's tough to tell if that's true or not. Um, fish are just, they're, they're weird animals sometimes. You know, sometimes I, I go out there and I'm like, okay, I know where they're going to be and I'm going to be able to get them and the winds are in the right direction and then, boom, they're gone. And I got to change my whole plan. So, yeah, I think I was going to ask the same question. How does pressure affect fishing and how you forecast? I know for myself, I've always looked at it as, you know, if you get stable pressure for a few days, then maybe the fish can adjust to that versus the sharp increase or sharp decrease. Um, I know I've heard if it's dropping or falling or on the rise, you know, that might increase their activity just because there is a change but I'm sure that relates to the weather changes that are probably coming in as well. Yeah. And I've had some really successful crappie fishing before with just like light snow falling, like a system is just about to move in. I don't know if that's like uh, an overall trend, but man, I can remember some good days where the, the snow is just lightly falling. The system's just starting to move in and the fish are really active. It's kind of like open water, right? And, and the guys who do the musky fishing, they want to be out right before that storm front comes through. 
And it's it's right as that system is moving in, there's something that gets those fish active. Hey, Adam, I want to go back to you. You know, you mentioned that, you know, fish wind is from the west, fishing's the best, from the east, fishing's the least. Kind of those old-time wives' tales and sayings. That brings my thought to, like, the Farmer's Almanac. Mm-hmm. Do you have much knowledge, like, Farmer's Almanac compared to scientific climate predictions? What Where did they get their info to your knowledge and and really how reliable would it be so they claim that they have a proprietary calculation that they don't tell anybody they don't tell you know any professional meteorologists or anything like that um the studies that i've seen done is they're about you know 51 percent accurate so flip a coin pretty much pretty much um I do make a winter forecast. Uh, I've been doing that pretty seriously for, I don't know, the last probably eight years or so. And last year in particular, I was pretty confident with my forecast and it turned out to be a complete bust. So that, that happens, you know? <laughs> so, but, but long-term, how, how have you fared? I mean, where, where's your predictions come in? Uh, one year is one year, right? But what? Sure. So for, uh, I can remember the last four years. So last year was the first bust in the last four. So uh, the la- the three before that, um, I was either dead on or very close with my forecast. Long-term predictions, if you're betting 750, you're doing pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. How does that play into some of the other kind of weather-related variables? I know talking about El Nino, La Nina, weather patterns that are out in the oceans how does that affect your annual forecast um that's pretty much what i base it on what i tend to do for my winter forecasts is uh i go back and i look at the data you know for the last 50 80 years or so and uh there's charts that show whether or not we were in an el nino or la nina and how strong each one of those phases are and I compare that to the forecasts that we're going to be seeing for the upcoming winter. And then I look at the data, you know, uh, back from those years. And so that's what I did for this year is um, basically it looks like we're going to be entering into a strong El Nino uh, this year coming off of a uh, triple La Nina, which uh, has only happened a, a couple of times in recorded history. So now we're entering into a possibly a strong El Nino, and so we're going to be seeing pretty dramatic differences from what we had last year compared to this year. Well, last year was a terrible year. If you're an ice angler, the conditions on the ice were miserable. Yeah. Tell us more. So, so give us, you know, give us your thought on what this ice season is going to be. Yeah. So uh, let's start with last year. Last year, at least for. Um, the Northwoods, we saw record snow. Uh, here in Duluth, we saw 140 inches, which is the most we've ever seen. Wow. So that made getting out on the ice super difficult. Um, we had, you know, tons of slush in December, and then it did firm up on most lakes by January because we did see some colder temperatures, which was great. And then uh, it just kind of plateaued from there, and, you know, we are just getting snow here and there. This year... Uh, it looks like we're going to be seeing less snow and slightly warmer temperatures uh, with this El Nino pattern that we're going to be uh, expecting. So 
what happened uh, for the last, so I, I looked up the last four strong El Ninos we had was uh, 2015 and 2016 was the most recent. We had 2009 and 2010, 2002 and 2003, and 97 and 98. 2002 and 2003 was like the only outlier year that didn't match up with the other uh, three El Ninos. That one was super dry and super cold. The rest of them were all um, slightly below normal for snow and right around the same temperature, which was a little bit warmer than average. So uh, basically for the Duluth area, you know, I'm thinking 80 inches or less of snow and uh, warmer than average temperatures. In December, we tend to see a, at least one big system move in, dropping 10 or 12 inches of snow. So, you know, that's, as an ice angler, that's not something that I want to see because that's like prime ice building time. Right. So if we could not see that, that would be great. But uh, that's the pattern from these previous El Ninos that I've seen. What a, you, you mentioned December, right? And, and all of us are looking, right? I mean, honestly, from Halloween on, we've got our eyes peeled on what's happening on area lakes and we want to know when is first ice and, and when are we going to see that first Eskimo shack set out on the, the lake down the road? And, you know, that's just a, a curiosity thing that I think is human nature. Is there any determination in your line of work when you're looking at a winter forecast, like the timing of it and when some of those first really, really hard cold temperatures and, and stuff start setting in? So I have not looked up that data in particular. Um, that's going to be kind of difficult based on where the climate data is taken. You know, here in Duluth, uh, we're right next to Lake Superior. So uh, the ice conditions can vary a little bit depending on lake temperatures. And it does look like we'll probably, I, I can tell you for Lake Superior, actually, there's really good data on um, lake ice on Lake Superior. Uh, that's something that's tracked by uh, government agencies and stuff like that. So um, the ice forecast for Lake Superior, we're probably going to end up seeing less than 40% at peak. So it's going to end up being lower than normal, um, which is unfortunate because I love fishing out on, on the big lake. But what that means is that we're going to be seeing an open lake, which means any wind coming off that lake is going to keep temperatures uh, a little bit warmer around the head of the lake. Now, inland temperatures will probably be a little bit cooler, so you'll start to see those area lakes freeze up a little bit faster. Um, so hopefully we uh, we can see colder temperatures by the end of uh, October and into November before that big December snow. Oh, that's really interesting. When you look at the kind of data, do you ever look at, like, maybe we had a warmer summer, so the lakes are warmer, water temperatures are higher. How does that go into how you maybe look at your ice prediction forecast? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think what really matters most are how many nights are we going to be seeing clear skies, calm winds, and temperatures, you know, dipping down into the single digits. Because that's, that's when we really start to make that ice fast. Um, and that can be a little bit more difficult because – the fall months are actually really hard to predict not only climate, but weather. 
because uh, the jet stream starts going into this funky pattern of uh, being all wavy. And so sometimes we'll be seeing uh, big cold snaps and then it'll jump back up to like 50, 60 degrees for that, you know, extra week of fall that we see sometimes. Um, so fall is notoriously difficult. Fall and spring are notoriously difficult to forecast for as a meteorologist. How's it been this fall? Just to, to get, I'm interested in your perspective because my feeling is that September was fairly warm. We didn't have a lot of yeah. um, extremely low temperatures. Um, I, you know, you're feeling it now at night, the temperatures dipping down slightly less and less each week that goes by. But what's your overall perspective on that? You know, the the upcoming forecast here for the next few days, and I'm going to try to pull this up here really quick so I can get some hard numbers uh, for or for the next uh, month or so. So um, the, the Climate Prediction Center, I usually tend to look at their website because they usually do these like three-month outlooks, and that's kind of what I try to go off of as well because they have actual climate scientists doing the work. And, you know, I'm a meteorologist. Um, I, I, I studied a little bit of climate but there, that's a whole nother set of science and there are people, you know, that's their day job. <laughs> so uh, I usually go to the Climate Prediction Center's website, which is a great resource, free to everybody. Um, and they have one month and three month outlooks. Right now, uh, they're going about equal chances of above average and below average conditions. So again, it's even as a climatologist, these months are really difficult to pin down because the jet stream just does some funky stuff. You know, a little side note, you mentioned climatologists and some of these predictors uh, here in where Anthony and I live in, in Fargo, my wife's a school administrator and um, there's a climatologist at North Dakota state who to my knowledge does this just based on his passion for, for the profession. And, and he sure. will get on and have calls, you know, and, and talk to all the universities and schools and stuff throughout the region and, and give them the the latest predictions and and outlook predictions on what's going to happen, and that's that's kind of an interesting piece to it as well. And and looking at the climate piece being more of that long term, you know, trying to predict longer term out into the future. What are other resources? You just mentioned one in terms of that that climate um, resource, but I think a lot of us junkies are looking for information, right? We want all the information we can get as we're looking forward to the ice season and maybe specific trips and dates and whatnot. Obviously we're going to turn to you, right? We're going to turn the TV on at the end of the night. We're going to turn on the radio in the daytime sure. and listen. What are other resources? Well, honestly, something that um, I don't really mind is when people send me an email like, Hey, I got a trip coming up in a couple of weeks. Do you have a rough guess of what's going to be going on? Um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm very frank with people. Like, you know, I'm going to tell them, hey, like, you know, like, this could happen, but just like check back with me uh, right before the trip and I'll, I'll like pin things down for you. I don't mind doing that stuff at all. Um, I did just pull up some some more climate data. And um, if we look back to October uh, 2015, uh, which is when we had a strong El Nino starting. Uh, we had an average temperature of 46 degrees where uh, the overall mean is around 44. So warmer than average, it looks like for October and November and into December. So that's not great news for building ice, unfortunately. 
is not. What about any other like weather apps? Is there anything that you see that's more accurate or that you tend to rely on like when you're on the go or anything like that? Sure. So uh, the two weather uh, websites that I look at are uh, ours. We have Northern News Now's uh, weather app, which is, you know, I know that my meteorologists are updating that. And so like, I, I that's my first look. Uh, my second look is always the National Weather Service. Um, the issue with apps, and this is something that I don't think is talked about enough. Um, the data that you're getting from that app most likely is 100% computer generated. So uh, there's not a person, there's not a meteorologist who knows that specific area making that forecast. It's just a computer putting out the data, kind of averaging everything, and here you go. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at our app, uh, we tweak the forecast for the Duluth area multiple times a day. Um, and so any app like that, Highly recommend downloading if you know that somebody is actually putting out that forecast, which is why I look at the National Weather Service quite a bit, because I know that they have teams of meteorologists that are actually tweaking the data um, from people who live there, you know, and uh, every single day are making those forecasts. So when it comes to apps, you know, uh, current conditions can't go wrong. You know, most apps are pretty good about that. Um, but when it comes to forecasts, I mean, everybody's probably got their own favorite um that they think is most accurate but i always try to lean towards uh that the the hand touch the human touch you know one of the other things and i gotta ask your personal opinion on this adam is just that weather is one component when i'm planning a trip out on the ice the other component that i look at and the other information i look at is you know the the salooner tables the sunrise sunset uh, moonrise moonset and, and kind of the, the major and minor moon phases. Is there a connection to weather on that? Is it a separate, completely separate thing? And, and how much credence do you put into it? So as far as uh, forecasting, the moon has zero impact to what I do. Um, the moon is always there, whether or not it's half full or completely full. So um, there's no impact to, to weather on that. Now the fish might have a reaction to that because, you know, then you're talking, you know, extra nocturnal lights uh, if it's a full moon or if it's uh, a new moon. So there's definitely some impacts there um, that the fish might be able to pick up on. As a meteorologist, I don't really uh, pay too much attention to that, though. But I will look at, like, cloud cover, you know. Uh, I think that's kind of uh, an important thing. Overnight, if the clouds are going to be sticking around for quite a while, we'll you know end up seeing pretty, uh, usually a pretty mild morning, and so temperatures aren't going to be as bad. Um, but if the skies are clear and the winds are calm, you can bet that you're definitely going to need the uh, double double insulated gloves and jacket and all that stuff. So that's uh, stuff that I do look at before I go out. That's great insight. You got any other little hacks or tips like that for us that we should be looking for? <laughs> Well, I mean, even going into, uh, you know, after sunset, um, keeping an eye on the cloud cover to, to know whether or not the temperatures are going to just free fall and you're going to be, again, needing your gloves or if you can uh, end up taking your gloves off while you're undoing everything. That's something that I, I look at quite a bit. And also, um, you know, I run uh, a snow machine now. I, I got a snow dog and 
you know, sometimes in the colder temperatures, that thing doesn't like to start up too much. So I'm keeping an eye on that, making sure that uh, I keep the snow dog warm uh, if I'm going to be uh, out there for an extended period of time, um, keeping an eye on that cloud cover and those temperatures quite a bit, even when I'm in the shack. You know what's cool about a snow dog is if you take some of those Eskimo shacks that are the big ones, the bigger size, mm-hmm. you can set it right inside and turn the heater on while you're fishing and it's going to stay nice yeah, and toasty. Yeah. Yep, that's true. I So I, I just got my uh, Eskimo uh, 450 last year. So um, I only got to use it once. So I'm looking forward to using that this year. And yeah, I'll have to try that. That's a good idea. Uh, here's, here's another question that came to me as you were just uh, describing some of those other things. How much impact does the depth of snow cover have on, you know, weather temperatures and stuff like that? Sure. So uh, it actually does play a pretty big role. Um, Usually the first snowfall of the season, uh, you get that fresh layer of snow on the ground and that keeps that ground heat at bay. And then if we see clear skies and calm winds uh, after that fresh snow, that's our first like really cold night normally. So that's, uh, you know, the, the whole surface ends up being quite a bit cooler because of that fresh layer of snow. And so that can actually jumpstart the ice accumulation, which is a good point. I never really kind of thought about that. Um, but that's, that's a, a very good point that that first snow actually does play a big role on how cold we get overnight. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something interesting too. I mean, I see it in the spring, like we still have a lot of snow cover. It seems like the forecast is always a little bit warmer than what it actually is. Cause that snow just keeps it colder and, and it really impacts the forecast. Yeah. And, uh, the snow acts as a big, you know, reflector it's called albedo. So, um, even on those bright sunny days, if we have, uh, plenty of snowpack on the ground, it's not going to get as warm because we're just reflecting all of that heat right back up into the atmosphere. So, uh, but once you start to see that melting, it's kind of a positive feedback loop where it, ground starts to warm up faster and uh, therefore the ice as well. And, you know, the ice or uh, the, the snow pack, as I think every angler knows, plays a huge role in how fast that ice grows. And uh, that's why we're always looking for several nights in a row of cold before you get that big snowstorm moving in. Um, and of course, the thing that always uh, I hate to see and I hate to report is rain that that first rain after the ice starts up, man, that's heartbreaking. You know, I know around here a couple of years ago, I think it was 20, 2020, um, we got a real, real cold spell mid-October. Like by October 20th, we had ice on small lakes, ponds, and, and sloughs around a good part of our area. And then after that, it warmed back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, just in your experience, is that a, is that a common thing? Or, or, or most of the time when things ice up, are they in it for good and we, we move forward? Let me think about that for a sec. So I th- it just really depends on, you know, uh, like I just said, that first snow. Uh, that definitely helps keep us cool, but there's nothing stopping, you know, a big warm front from moving in and melting that fresh layer of ice again. I, it'll probably freeze back up pretty quick because usually once you get a big warm up, you end up seeing a big cold snap behind it because uh, that low pressure system uh, brings warm air up from the south, but then on the backside always draws back in that colder air from Canada that's been setting up. So it's not ideal, but uh, that is something that we tend to see happen quite a bit. 
that's if I remember right, that's what happened. Mid October, we got you know three four inches of snow over a pretty big area, and then following that, it got cold. You know, four mm-hmm. four or five nights in a row, and and froze stuff up, and then and then things kind of swung back, maybe to more seasonal uh, normal temperatures, if you will. Sure. Um, that opened it back up again, and then we were kind of on a normal track. It was just that little episode right there, mid October. So one thing I'll say, um, when you're watching us, you know, do the forecast, um, the phrase you don't want to hear is Colorado low, because that is where we get all the snow, all the warmth. So we'll probably end up seeing rain, snow mix, and then, um, there will be a cold snap after that, but usually those are some really strong systems. So a lot of winds, uh, we'll see some mixed precip. Uh, followed by some heavy snow because we're getting a lot of the uh, moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. But with an El Nino, we tend to see the polar jet kind of riding right across the upper Midwest, which gives us more opportunities for seeing uh, Alberta clippers. And those I'm okay with. Uh, Those are usually cooler, so it's more snow. And usually one to four inches is what we tend to see with those Alberta clippers. We could see maybe three or four of them back to back to back in one week, but that's better, I think, for the ice conditions than a big Colorado low moving in. So, uh, if you hear us talking about Colorado lows, that's uh, that's not a good not a good sign. No, I think that's great information to keep in mind as we get prepped for the ice fishing season. Any. Uh things that you got your sights set on for ice fishing. I know you mentioned you like to enjoy the the big lake, Lake Superior out there, but any fun fishing trips you have planned for the winter? Yeah. So uh, every year I'm going up to like the boundary waters for trout opener. That's uh, that's a big trip for me and a group of group of friends and um, even our significant others. They all come out and we, we rent a cabin. So that's a big trip. Um, the big, other big trip this year, though, uh, I do want to come out to Devil's Lake. Um, I've heard some some great things about some jumbo perch, some good walleye bite out there. So uh, trying to get a group together uh, for that trip. Adam, I would definitely encourage you to do that. Uh, just being kind of from the area, I can tell you North Dakota Game and Fish has said that there's more walleyes in Devil's Lake right now than at any other time that they've tracked the data. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if for any of our listeners, if that kind of uh, information is encouraging, uh, Devil's Lake's certainly someplace to put on the list for this winter. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've wanted to do Red Lake, but after seeing the pictures of traffic and just, like, tents yeah. everywhere, I'm not about that. I'm the guy who likes to go where nobody else is and it's not it's not like a greedy thing like you know i'm not looking to catch the most fish i just when i'm out in the woods i like to be by myself or with my friends and hanging out and not dealing with a bunch of people so i've seen devil's lake it's huge body of water right it is absolutely huge it's uh it's one of those maybe not to the same extent of lake superior but it does tend to i mean it's big enough where it tends to create its own weather yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's super cool. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, getting out on Lake Superior, I hope to do it again this year. The last couple of years have not been good for the, uh, the ice and, uh, the, even the bite has just been just kind of meh. So hopefully, um, I can get back out on Lake Superior this year and hopefully the, the Browns are a little bit more active. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. Uh, folks, we're, we're talking with Adam Lorch, chief meteorologist, Northern News Now out of Duluth. 
Adam, if folks want to find you, if they want to watch you, if they want to, uh, you know, follow you along with you, where can they do that? Yeah, I do have a Facebook page, Chief Meteorologist uh, Adam Lorch on Facebook. Uh, you can also email me um, at work, uh, alorch at kbjr6.com. Uh, again, I don't mind when people ask me for a personalized forecast, as long as it's not every single day, you know, <laughs> but if you've got a big event coming up or something like that, I don't mind, uh, taking, taking a few minutes to, to give you a, a quick heads up of what's, what's going on. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, Adam, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it was really great information. I know Kyle and I are both, like I mentioned, aspiring uh, amateur meteorologists. So anything that we can add to our arsenal on how we can plan for weekend trips or, you know, planning out those season long trips, uh, it really helps us. So again, thank you for, for that. And thank you for joining us and really appreciated you being on uh, shack talk with us. Yeah, my pleasure guys. Great meeting you. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone for listening. Uh, as we look forward to the season. Uh, everybody's getting their gear ready, and now we have another tool in our arsenal to, to prep for the ice fishing season. So until we talk to you again all next time, uh, we'll see you then, and enjoy getting ready for the ice season. Hey.